Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The radio passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 16. I've entitled the message this morning, A Fool's Twin Brother. Luke 12, beginning at verse 16, And he spake, that is, Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And then I said to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let us unite for a moment of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your continued watch care over us in our times of need. We pray your blessing upon those who are bereaved today because of the loss of a loved one. We pray your blessing upon those who are ill, those especially in hospitals and others who are ill at home for whom we are concerned with your blessing upon them. But now, Lord, we come to a point in which we ask your blessing upon us in this church. Whatever the needs that we have, whatever our souls might yearn for, would you grant to us this day Answer our prayers, we pray, our Father, in a mighty way. Especially we would ask for the outpouring of your Spirit upon any who are not saved today in our congregation. There might be something done or said that would lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hover around us and bless us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Are any of you a twin? Anybody? In the congregation, a twin? Nobody? Do any of you have twin children? Anybody with twins? I know there's some people who have twin grandchildren. Who have twin grandchildren? That's Charles and Doran. I knew that one. Is that the only set of twins? Well, that's amazing. That we have, that's, that's as far as we're going to get on twins. Bob Malt, you weren't a twin. I guess. I'm sure there's some people who think, thank goodness you were. <laughs> I want to suggest to you all this morning that you may be a twin and not know it. Your mother just didn't tell you, you know. 
In the Courier-Journal, which is the morning newspaper in Louisville, Kentucky, some time ago there was a picture of a man, and under the, the picture was the words, Have you seen this man? It was an effort on the part of the police to locate a particular individual. But it was not his picture, because they couldn't find a picture of him, so they put a picture of his twin brother in the paper. All of us have been guilty of mistaken identity in thinking that somebody was somebody that they were not. I've nearly got myself in terrible trouble on a few occasions in thinking that I was speaking to one person only to discover that it was somebody that just looked like that individual. And I wondered why they couldn't understand what I was saying in reference to the statements that I was making. They were somebody else. How many times have you and I gone down the street and get ready to speak to somebody, come up behind them, only to discover when they turned around that we didn't even know them at all? Lookalikes. I think maybe we all have a twin, somebody, somewhere, somebody who looks like us, or we Maybe it looked like them. We've all said that. I'm accused of looking like Governor Moore. I'm not sure which one of us <laughs> is, is getting the bad end of the deal. I think I am, frankly, but maybe he might think the same. None of you surely think I do, but I have been told that. But what about in the Bible? Any twin in the Bible? A look-alike. You are like somebody. A character in the scripture. It might be possible that some of you are a twin to Jonah. Because you, like Jonah, may be running from God. Some of you might feel like, or we might say, that you are a twin to Peter. Very impulsive. Always putting your mouth in gear before your brain goes into operation. That was Peter, was it not? Who spoke first and thought afterward and always had himself somewhere in hot water. A person that was rough and crude and never was able to seemingly say the right thing at the right time without putting his foot in his mouth somewhere along the line. But his redemption comes in that he became the tremendous apostle that we know from the scripture. Some of you might be a twin to John Mark. John Mark was a quitter. He gave up in the middle of the missionary journey that he was on with Paul and Barnabas. But there's a good side to him. He redeemed himself as well and came back a strong, faithful Christian. Maybe there are those in this congregation who might be a twin to David. David probably was one of the greatest sinners that the world has ever known. If there was anything that was wrong, he had done it. From being immoral to being a murderer. 
All the things of his life seem to be different than they ought to be, and yet God called him a man after his own heart. Yes, David was a great sinner, but he also was a great confessor. And so you might on one hand not want to be related to David in that he would be described as a great sinner, but you might well identify with him and perhaps we ought to identify with him. He is our twin by being a great confessor of our sin. But I want to know uh, this morning without any response from the congregation, have you ever thought of being a twin to the rich young uh, man that we have here in the scripture? A twin to a man that Jesus called a fool? Now I'll tell you, you can call me just about anything you want, but if you want to see my dander get up, call me a fool and I might lose my cool. And you would the same, will you not? This is a word that we do not want applied to us because it has connotations that is, makes us something that we do not want to think that we are at least. But the Lord called this man a fool. Let's look at him. In the scripture that we have, and we must admit that we only have a short description of this man, but we don't find anything to indicate that the man was dishonest. Nor was he a liar, nor did he use vulgar language. And so perhaps the most of us could relate to the man and say, well, I wouldn't mind being his twin in that he was honest and upright and uh, decent in his language. We don't find anything that says he was prejudiced or jealous or cynical. So pretty well so far, I think I wouldn't mind being identified with him. He had a good self-image of himself. He thought well of himself, and I think people certainly ought to do that. He owned property. He was a hard worker. Have you found anything bad yet to make him a fool? He was a good planner. He was thinking into the future what he was going to do when he got old. And he was going to invest his finances well in building new buildings that would hold more materials so that when he did get old, he would have plenty laid up for many, many years to come. He was a very successful businessman. I would like to identify with this man in all these ways. I would like to be able to be called successful, a good planner, a wise investor, the owner of property, a hard worker, decent, honest, moral, upright, and all the good things that could be heaped in adjectives upon anybody could be applied to this man, and yet the Lord still called him a fool. And so there must be some different perspective that the Lord had of this individual than we might have. Because he really sounds pretty good. The Lord said, you're a fool. Why? Because the Lord could see that the interests of this man were in physical things, not in spiritual matters. And here we begin to separate 
of his good attributes from one fault or failing or difficulty that he had that outweighed all the good things that he had in life. It's amazing that if we put our life in the balance, that we could possibly put many dozens of things on one side of the balance and only one bad thing on the other side and the bad would tilt so greatly that it would overcome and outdo all the good things that we possibly might have said about ourselves. And that's what the problem was with this man. His value system was in the physical and not in the spiritual. And a person who is spiritually in poverty cannot be considered anything but a fool. As Matthew 4.4 4 says, Jesus' words, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every uh, good thing, every good word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And yet we find people, and maybe we are sometimes one of these, who believes that life has no more value than what we can get out of this world. The now, the today, is important. The eternity is of little importance. So the verdict, I think we can say, is valid in calling him a fool because his value system is all messed up. Where do you put your values? What is more important to you or to me than anything else? Well, let's look at some things about the verdict that the Lord passed upon this man. He made a false assumption that he could satisfy his soul with things. And you'll find that there in the 19th verse. See, man is a spirit. He has a soul. Man is different than an animal. There's something about human beings that make us different than cattle, than wildlife. And that is that we have in our body something that was put there by the breath of God that's called a soul, something that never dies. We need to ask a question then. Can this soul of man be satisfied with physical things? Can the soul of man be satisfied with wealth? Can he be satisfied with fame or with gadgets or with power, with position? When he has all of that, will he be happy? A young man died in Logan County last week who was a millionaire of an overdose of drugs. The people who knew him gave me some of the story, which I'll not particularly repeat except to point out that it appears from what I was told that here was a man who thought life and its meaning was contained in what he might reach out and grab because he had plenty of money to do it. 
if one is figuring that what he's going to get out of life is only what he can grasp with his hands, he will someday discover that his soul has been left in poverty. Communism has this belief that man is an educated animal who needs only physical things. That's the teaching of Russia, of the Communist Party. That man is only animal. That is, man has no soul. He's no different than the cattle or the wildlife. And therefore, all he needs is physical something. But we're here this morning because we know and believe that man is a soul. Something that God gave us. And it's got to be satisfied. If a person were hungry, would we suggest to them that they go out to the sawdust pile and sit down and eat their fill? And yet the hunger of souls is comparable in that we're suggesting that souls, that is, the world is suggesting, not we, Christian people, that the world is suggesting that to satisfy your soul, you go sit on the garbage piles of the world and fill yourself full of things. And you'll be happy. You'll be satisfied. You'll be on top of the world. You'll be high. And when that wears off, he's got to find another garbage pile to get higher on. That's why people take drugs, as far as I can determine, is to get up to a higher, what they think is a higher plane of living, not knowing that that is simply a position from which he will fall even further. <laughs> what satisfies the soul? You'll notice that this fool tries to satisfy his needs with building bigger barns and filling them fuller in order that he can sit back and relax and enjoy life. There is nothing in this parable that is discouraging anybody from preparing for his future, for retirement, for old age, to have plenty to live on. There is no point in this that would discourage that whatever. But... The point is that if a man thinks that he's going to satisfy all the needs of his life in bank accounts and properties, he will discover that he is indeed a pauper and will lose it all. Secondly, let's notice that this man was not satisfied with what he had already accumulated. He wanted more. This seems to be one of the things that the devil uses when it comes to wealth. Get one dollar and we want two. Get two thousand dollars and we'd like to have four. Get a million dollars and we want three or four or five. As Nelson Rockefeller was asked one time, you know Nelson Rockefeller, a very wealthy man, somebody said to him, how much money would it take to satisfy you? And he said, just a little bit more. 
And this is the philosophy of life. What does it take to satisfy us? Just a little bit more than we now have. And we'll be satisfied till we get it. And then we want a little more and a little more and a little more to satisfy the physical. And at the same time, our soul is being shriveled to nothingness. He was all wrapped up in himself. Throughout this parable, there are 11 times that he says, I, mine, or my, or mine, all referring to himself. Somebody said, I don't know who, I've read the quote, he who is wrapped up in himself makes a little package. And I think it fits pretty well. The big person is the one who is wrapped up in others. They're the ones that we remember. I shall never forget a man in my memory who was so wrapped up in what he owned and possessed that he was never willing to give even the slightest amount to the benefit and the aid of somebody else. When that man died, there was not one tear shed. Not even his wife shed a tear. She was so relieved that he was gone out of her life. His children did not weep because they were so happy that he no longer had that dominating evil influence over them that he had had all those years. What a sad tale that a man is so wrapped up in himself. He was indeed a little package that was soon forgotten even by his family, and there were almost nobody at the funeral, just those that felt like they had to be. Two children and a wife and two or three friends. And that was the content of that funeral. I preached one of those one time. What a tragedy. But God would have to say such a man is a fool. Thirdly, this man forgot what made him, who made him or what made him so great. One of the tragedies of becoming great is that one forgets how he got there. I think maybe sometimes we accuse politicians rightly when we laugh at them for being so happy to see us and kissing all the babies during the uh, campaigns and uh, don't even know we exist once the campaign is over. I'll never forget sitting in a restaurant not too long ago when a man came in and went around and shook everybody's hand and mine and said, I'm so glad to see you. And I finally got up and went up to the register. I said to the girl at the register, who on earth is that man? She identified him as somebody running for office in the uh, House of Representatives. Well, I'd never seen the man, and he wasn't glad to see me. He never knew me. And I guarantee you I wasn't happy to see him. He disturbed my meal, and I couldn't enjoy it the rest of that meal. I think perhaps once that man is elected, which he will be, and comes back to that restaurant during the midterm, but I'm not going to get the same glad to see you handshake because I'm no longer important. And I think we work that way in people who have gotten to fame. A lot of the movie stars who have come up from the poverty through the ranks 
oft times are accused, and maybe rightly so, of forgetting who their friends really were and who their family is because they are so involved in the, the group that is around them supporting their ego. And this man forgot that it was people who made him what he is that bought his goods. Many merchants fail in not remembering their customers made them wealthy. <coughs> This man was the fellow who likewise forgot that it was God who is the creator. He wasn't self-made. There are no self-made men in my book. This is my father's world, the scripture says, and I believe that yet. I don't see anybody out here making something out of nothing. I see God giving man the power and the ability, the intelligence, and the opportunity to make something out of life that would glorify God. And I see many of these same people not glorifying God by what they do. But by taking it and saying, it's mine, and I'll do with it as it please. And so he rightfully can be called a fool, for he forgot who gave him the right to be wealthy. Well, we've already stated that this man lived for the present more than he does for the future. He had forgotten that there's a day of accountability. We all shall reach that day of accountability. Well, let me say another thing that makes this verdict correct. This man thought that the value was in getting, not in giving. We're approaching Christmas, and I've already heard the Christmas advertisements. I'm always amazed at how early they start every year. So many people have the false notion that happiness comes in receiving. But listen. Greatest happiness comes in giving. And Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to be happy, give. If you want to find satisfaction in life, give. Not just money, but of yourself and of your time. Give. Give. Don't stop giving. Someone has said that you can't give more than God, and I believe that's true. We limit what we get by what we give. When we give ourselves unselfishly and completely in every aspect of our life, our lives will be blessed. Some of you have experienced those blessings in, in just recent time, and I think the blessing you have received is because of your willingness to give of yourself and your time and your interests. Now, the Lord passes a sentence on this man. The sentence is death. He said, you're a fool. You're laying up treasures on earth, and tonight I'm requiring your soul. This man expected to live forever. 
You know, I expect to live forever. I know I'm going to live forever. Are you? There's only one group of people who will live forever. And that is those who are saved. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. How do you live forever? You get it as a gift from God. The gift of God is eternal life. Then Jesus turns to the man and says, And then whose shall all of these things be that you leave behind? I think one of the mistakes that many parents make is leaving their entire estate to their children. I believe that. I do not believe that parents ought to live to give something to their kids. That ought not be our golden life. And I've said to my parents, you ought to live what you've got. You earned it, live it. Don't leave it for us kids. Because you know what usually happens when kids come into money, if there is any? It is then squandered, it is then abused, and that which the parents worked for for so long is gone. Who shall all of these things be? Well, he's just going to divide them out. And um, he's not going to enjoy them. So Jesus asked the question, what does it profit a man if he would gain the whole world but lose his own soul? What would it? You've heard the statement, you can't take it with you. But there's another statement that I think we need to understand, and that is, but you can send it on ahead of you. You don't send it in hard coins or in real estate but you send it in treasuries that can be laid up in heaven. As the scripture says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth, neither moth or rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. But the final phrase in that, in that passage of Scripture says, For where your heart is, there, or, or, or let me reverse it, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This man's treasure was in his possessions, and that's where his heart was. And when he died, he would go to hell. Our treasure is either here or it's in heaven. If it's here, that's where our heart is. If our treasure is in heaven in doing God's bidding, then that's where our heart will be. Then who's the wise man? This man was a fool. I think it's summed up in one verse. The person that seeks the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what Jesus said to do. I want to ask you this morning, are you wise or are you a fool? And it's all based whether we're fools or whether we're wise people upon what we really consider valuable, things of earth or things of heaven. Who we follow, ourselves, others, or the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.